Welcome to Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, Asbury Pod is honored to welcome Judy Meltzner Feinstein, pioneer in women's aviation as both pilot and educator, a two-time recipient of the Amelia Earhart Medal, and someone who has spent over 50 years in and around Asbury Park. We talked to Judy about her life as a pilot, with second and third lives as restaurateur, caterer, and antiques dealer. We learned that Asbury Park had an airport on Route 66. And most importantly, we learned that when you are flying from Managua to Panama City, Florida, do not take photographs when you land at a Mexican Air Force base to refuel. Welcome, Judy. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Their interviews always hit the mark, so subscribe to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Be informed, don't be in the dark. Everybody listen to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Everything you need to know. Brought to you by Amy and Joe. If you're local, they're the pod for you. But Bennies are welcome and Shoebies too. Route 35 to Convention Hall. Asbury Pod covers it all. Asbury Pod, I love you. I love you. It's May 16th, Sunday, and we have with us today, Joe, probably one of what I would consider the, the most iconic people in the area, in the local mm-hmm. area, including Asbury Park, mm-hmm. and that's Judy Feinstein. We're going to catch up with her. We're going to find all about, um, you know, her history. She is probably one of the few guests that we've had that I um, feel a, a bit starstruck. And that's <laughs> saying something because we've had the lieutenant governor. We've had we've had a couple of stars on here, but um, very, very excited to get to know you, Judy. So I know who you are. Joe knows who you are, but our listeners don't. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I think what you're you're making big of me is the years go back a long time ago in the 60s when I became a woman pilot and they were not as active and not known as much uh, as what was doing it during the war and all the famous women that did fly. So I became a part of that organization, which was called the 99s which is the International Organization of Women Licensed Pilots. And uh, I don't know if you want a little history about it, but uh, and also how I came to Asbury Park here in those days, because, you know, there were plenty of airstrips around Asbury, too, to land in. Now we want to hear all about. So tell us what brought you to the area, what brought you to Asbury Park and what brought you to Cookman, if you don't mind. Well, I'll go all through that. I was very lucky. I married my childhood sweetheart who became a doctor. And where did he intern? At Monmouth Medical Center. It was called Monmouth Memorial. And I got to know Asbury Park because I kind of loved the beach, the boardwalk. It. I had young children. They enjoyed the uh, amusements. So I became a great deal of time was spent here in Asbury Park. And uh, I stayed here for four years while he was an intern and residency in New York. And he practiced in Burlington County. And about what year was this, Judy? This was in the early, the late 50s and early 60s. Okay. Uh, I should say that the doctor who never told me he wanted to fly an airplane or become a pilot uh, took me to an airport and pretty soon he bought a little airplane and here who was, he became the pilot and I got stuck. I loved it. I found flying exciting, but not a suppressed desire. And uh, but it was part of my life for many years. And it also kept me in touch with my friends in Asbury and in Elberon, the areas here, because I could just hop 
disappear so easily when I wanted to. And uh, that's another part of the start of my aviation life. You know, uh, Judy, I was looking through your um, some of your history and yeah, it looks like you were living kind of like the, uh, the life of the Jetsons, right? You, you were able to fly to Maryland, D.C. for the weekend or just for the evening. I mean, it was a kind of um, there was a sense, at least post-war aviation seemed to have a sense of like that this this could be available to everyone as a super like a, a convenience. You can you know fly here, there. I mean, it, it hasn't panned out the way we kind of thought, but it, that's a really interesting uh, you know note I picked up in 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 looking in your in your bio that you know, the flight wasn't just formal flying. It was like you could just fly to dinner. <laughs> that, that was the big fun. And the children yeah. would, would always say, are we there yet? <laughs> uh, also, we can take vacations that could take us to places that we might not have driven to. But you brought up something saying about the post-war, because yeah. that's where that image that you saw and when we could fly like that. Hmm. Uh, I met the women before my time that actually flew during the war and were the famous WASP, the woman hmm. of the uh, Air Force, not of Air Force, but the, the service to the Air Force. Hmm. And they uh, flew during that time and uh, did wonderful deeds well, with it's the really airplane. It's really the way you mentioned the war, the war really opened up aviation for women because they had to fulfill auxiliary roles that were, you know, you know, moving planes around and, you know, doing this great service. Um, I'm sorry, you actually kind of said that, but, you know, I always thought that was interesting. The WASP sort of opened a door that was hard to close. Right. So maybe society wanted to close it, but you could now women could fly. I, I think what it was, too, that the the men had to recognize the abilities of the women at that time because the women needed to fly the airplanes to those pilots that, yes, we're going to defend us and we're going to win the war for us. But how were they going to get the planes from, let's say, Boeing or wherever uh, to these pilots? And they even went through the English Channel and different they but the airplanes also, I think you must tell, were very, very uh, different than the airplanes of today. And even of the planes that I flew, they flew the heavy bombers. The women had to put blocks, some of them, to get the rudder pedals to meet their their legs. They couldn't even. Uh, it was a, a. I know. I I had the the ability to once fly in a DC three, and I and I'm a big. A bigger woman and I could feel the the stress of it that they did. They were fantastic and I'm glad to be part of a little little tiny part of that uh, history. And anything else you want to know, I can tell you that the flying brought a lot of camaraderie. You meet women and people from all parts of the life. I was very, uh, Barry Goldwater is a name of the past that many people might not even known, but he was instrumental to get the women that did fly those airplanes during the war recognition. They flew the war, which it was in the early 40s, right? They mm -hmm. didn't reckon, get recognition to 1977. Gee, mm -hmm. I remembered that date. They <laughs> were, I mean, you know, this was uh, a time that they actually got recognized where their parents weren't even allowed to hang a star in the window during the war and they or they weren't given veterans uh, compensations. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to say about those women. But I think uh, what we're talking about, about me, the fun of it was, too, we had penny of pounds and and all kinds of treasure hunts. And <laughs> we took uh, I took a lot of wives up for husbands who wanted to become pilots or had airplanes and the wives saw a woman pilot, there I was. I also mm -hmm. flew Governor Cahill, another name of the past. Uh, they loved having women take the uh, dignitaries around. I guess it was a little of the politician years too. Judy, can I ask you a question? Because you, you, so the irony of this conversation, Judy, is you're talking to two people who have a grand fear of flying, which is Joe and I. <laughs> so that is the ultimate irony of this conversation. So what I'm curious about is like, was it an immediate love for it? Did you, you know, how, how did the love for flying grow? 
I guess it was the love to see that my husband was going to be safe because the, <laughs> to tell you the truth, the first time we ever went to an airport, I had never also been in an airplane. I had never uh, thought of myself as flying an airplane. And uh, just as you are apprehensive about flying, I was there too. In fact, we went up for a sightseeing ride and we gave our oldest child our wallet just in case of identification because of the novice and not knowing it. But flying is safe because it's whether to fly or not, W-E-A-T-H-E-R. It is respecting it and learning. And like anything else, if you're going to do it, you're going to respect the rules and the regulations. But uh, fear of it, remember that pilot out there, right there in that seat up there flying you, he wants to get back safe and sound too. And right. the airplanes, uh, statistically wise, we you realize how many planes are flying every second and taking people back and forth. So uh, your fear of flying is, I can understand because we don't know enough about it. But today it's so easy. In my day, it was more or less, we called it the seat of the pants flying. You know, <laughs> you, you had your throttles, you had your rudder pedals, you watched your altimeters. Those were the names that you really had to know. I think today it's more pushing buttons. Don't tell those pilots that, but I wish they, <laughs> I wish they would get into one of these smaller planes and fly seat of their pants. <laughs> they would know. But it is safe. <laughs> flying is safe because it's a respected a aviation is always learning, always new things coming up. Well, Judy, I have my rational brain knows that this is a complete irrational fear. I, I ride a motorcycle. There is nothing more dangerous than no. a motorcycle. Just sitting there in front of my, I can sitting out in front of the house on the bike with the key off is more dangerous because I could fall. I, I could tip over. So there's no rational thought here, you know, in terms of my my fear. So. But it's really the, 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 the gains that aviation has made is pr from those DC-3 uh, instrumentations to the modern, even the, the 50s and 60s instrumentations. And now it's pretty impressive. And, but what I wanted to ask you, you um, how, how did one train to be a pilot? In, in um, You became a pilot in 1963? Yes, that was yeah. my first solo. I actually, mm -hmm. yeah, my multi-engine was later years, mm -hmm. but my single engine. How did you become? You have to go to ground school before you uh -huh. could do anything. You have to learn meteorology, aviation, computers, you know, all the things that are in the airplane and what you have to know. You have to learn uh, all these things and then take a written test. Now, I'll be very honest with you. At that time, not only being a, a mother, I was working at uh, in the hospital I was doing here in the, you know, I was doing hospital work at the time. So when the nights came, I would put my hand up like this on my chin and they would talk and I would fall fast asleep. But coming home, my husband who gave me all the information. So I decided one day to go try the test and I figured, oh, I'll get a 30 or 40, but at least I'll know what it's like. Well, what do you know? I did pass it. I won't tell you what I passed it with, but I did pass it. And from then on, now you have to make up your mind. Are you going or are you not going to get your license? Because that ground school is only going to last so long. So it took me a while to make up my mind, but I loved it. At night, when you fly at night and you look down, it looks like rubies and diamonds are in the sky. When you're up in the air, uh, you're going from one place to the other and relaxing. Of course, we also ate a lot in our plane. <laughs> a great place to cut the salami. <laughs> and so flying was part of our lives at a long time. But I then became more interested in promoting aviation. Yeah. But it wasn't something, just to clarify what you said, it wasn't something of suppressed desire that mm. I wanted. I think it's like anything we do today. We learn, we get excited about something, and we learn more about it. It was like a found joy. It's like, oh, I didn't yeah, know this. Yeah, Judy, move the microphone a tiny bit away from your mouth. We're getting a tiny bit of feedback there. Is I it, don't have a microphone. It's oh. the, um, it's right, yeah, that, that, yep, yeah, that, just move, uh, that, yep, yep. No, a tiny bit away from your mouth. Is this okay. better? Yeah, because yeah, it, it probably... got moved when you put your hand there and then it, it messed yeah, with our sound, I but was, this is good. Because I did uh, feel that uh, we're talking about all the exciting as a family and flying yeah. and promoting. But I do want to tell you that uh, 
so many of the people I met were fantastic women and people flying, but the fun of it was still there. There was something that you enjoyed. But again, it's like everything else. You have to follow the rules of flying. I'm a reciprocant, as you know, I'm wearing. That's why when you told me, I remembered I yeah. I'm wearing the medal. And here I'm talking about all the fun I had. And now and I even had get a medal for it. Well, yeah, it part of it. Yeah. So for people listening at home, uh, Judy, you held up the, the Amelia Earhart medal, right? Is that what you have there? Right. Yes. Okay. I'm a reciprocant of that medal. Mm-hmm. And. I'm sorry. What did you? So who do they give that medal to? What did you uh, do? That's what I was trying to tell you. I have no idea. It said when they presented it for for outstanding services in the field of aviation. Uh I have something, too. When if you want me to tell you how I got into it so much, I learned about the women going on races, air races and doing all these things. And I got very interested in it. And I think it was 1967. Well, I was made chairman of a race that went from Atlantic City to California, and that was called the Powder Puff Derby. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met all these outstanding women that were going to fly across the country. And I was very known for my butterflies and as my extra wings. So I presented all the women in their welcome kit with butterflies. Mm-hmm. So they and all Judy, had- what can I just say what was so interesting about that is because you were chairwoman, you couldn't fly in the race. I they know they, <laughs> they, they wouldn't want you to fly in that race. So then but the next year, don't worry, I got so taken that they then called what was called the Angel Derby. And that went from uh, from central from Managua, Nicaragua. I had to say that to Panama City, Florida. Now, remember, you had to get to the race to race. You have to have an airplane. You have to be well insured. And how did I get to do that? I went around and talked to every club I could get, whether it was the Elks or the Kiwanis or whatever. And anybody who would donate, I would put their name on the side of the plane. Mm -hmm. I also needed uh, insurance Insurance to get from this Central America was $850. Coming back from the airport one day, a woman hit me, hit my car, and I settled for $850 so I could just do the race and be well insured. So you see how we got so taken with it that we got you wanted to do it all as much as you could. And you had to fundraise you. So you you as women pilots all had to kind of fundraise to 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 make these projects, these derbies and and stuff like that come to fruition. Where today you get support much easier from you can get us. You can wear a sweatshirt and have a company, but you have the big companies also that got into uh, backing many of the women after this. Remember, this was in the young, the young sixties now, and people were just starting with all the women in aviation. And remember, airline pilots were just beginning to hire women too. These were all the things. But uh, going around trying to get people to support it, I went to this place right here in Monmouth County, Analog Training Computers. And I asked, I wanted them to promote their simulator. There was a simulator and I would for this race. Guess what? Maybe take our listeners through what is a simulator? This is a simulator. Can you see a picture? I brought it to show you. Okay. Can you see it? Uh, We can. Yeah. This is, can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. Amy's going to take a picture of it. That is the simulator. Oh, so an analog. Do you have it? Mm -hmm. Analogs was a uh, timing. It's not like today's computers. So you weren't you timed going to an airport. It taught it told it talked to you. It Mm -hmm. talked to you. And I do have a whole curriculum that we wrote for that. So you if if I I understand you became an instructor for that, the ATC, ATC 510. Was right. They, but how did I become that instructor? I, I, can't, I went there to ask them to help me with the race. <laughs> and they ended up hiring me. Oh, and interesting. I, took, and I came to my husband. I said, I have a new job. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I became their uh, director all over the country uh, in schools. That's how yeah. aerospace education, I 
came, I was able to promote by taking these two vocational schools and not promoting just flying, but introducing them into the whole world of aviation. They could be any instructors, they can be air controllers. I try to expose that in the education field. That's how the simulator came to be, uh, but it never got approved fully by the FAA because you don't sit in it and get the feeling of it. It mm. was just a hands-on, which I later donated to the Hands-On Muse Museum in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. But one interesting, uh, Judy, can you what one certificate that you that you let you let us take a look at that I thought was really interesting and I didn't know what to make of was an accident prevention counselor, which I feel like I, I I'm now going to ask every pilot ever in any plane that I begrudgingly <laughs> get on. Where is your accident I, I think anybody appointed me, I took an appointment. <laughs> You know, it was part of keeping abreast. I just loved it uh, to be part of it. And that was just where you had kind of got involved in uh, when you said accident. I also flew that way. We flew for uh, search planes along the water if something was missing or they thought. But accident prevention was a, also another title I got. Aerospace, education, all these places that were great. But the big thing was that the Wings Club, I don't think I gave you this information, which I'd like to tell you, only took men for many years all over the country and all over the world. There was a club called the Wings Club for pilots, for male pilots. And 10 women were in 1972, I think it was, somewhere is that, were inducted into the Wings Club. And I must tell you, I'm number three. Wow. <laughs> I'm not a member anymore. Uh, I'm, you know, I have a lot of that has gone by, but uh, I was one of those early women that I guess got into a little bit of competition there. But we, well, we it was great. Wasn't that the origins of the 99s is that the, it was a, a boys club. So the women had to make their own space. Well, right. that happened. And that's another little tale. In 1920, now we're going back to 1929. Uh, I try to remember some of these dates, and I think that's about it. There was, uh, that was when Amelia Earhart was flying, and all these women were beginning to fly their airplanes with the, and most of them were open cockpits, even much different than what we're talking of today. And they decided to form this group the women decided to get together and form a, a women's flying club, which they had many, but they wanted to make it bigger. And when they actually called the meeting, 99 women came to the meeting. They were going to call it, who knows, Lady Bird, Women This. They had different names, but they decided to use the 99 women as the name of the club. That's how the 99s became. Uh, and, and Amelia Earhart was the first president. Uh, you know, a lot of history, the children learn all about Amelia Earhart in the schools, uh, where what happened to her. There's a lot of theories. And I don't know whether you know that she and Eleanor Roosevelt were very dear friends. So put this in your mind about the time she was flying in 1937, 35, you know, the right before war and and over a Japanese island. And uh, so there's a lot of history and what we believe. But the women pilots are not allowed to believe that she was actually captured or because she would be called a spy. And we mm -hmm. wouldn't want that because she really wasn't. I think she was just taking some nice pictures. <laughs> the those women in the original, those original women pioneers were really ferocious, fierce um, competitors, too. I was reading up when I was reading up the history of the Powder Puff Derby and going back to the Women's Air Derby original title and uh, read about Opal Kuntz, you know, who was flying against men, but the in a, in a derby or but her plane was deemed too powerful. So she had to find a plane with horsepower appropriate to to women, which was a shocking thing. Cause she's, I think she still won the, the Derby. And, you know, these are pretty, really amazing people. Again, open air pilot uh, cockpits competing 
with you know on new tech what was then new technology really interesting people did you get to meet any of these original pioneers i was uh, very fortunate i met yeah. a great deal of them a great okay. deal of names i met and I, in fact one woman i took flying out of the flying w there's an airport called the flying w in south jersey and uh it, i do have to tell you that they there were fabulous women and they she got in the airplane, though, and she wanted to open the side window. Uh-uh, no, no. <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, the truth is that they they're still I don't know if the, many of them are still alive. I, I know they few of them. I forget some of the names, but I do know most. I didn't meet a great deal of them uh, there. There's a. Women from this area, right in this, right in this New Jersey area, that are still around, that have flown those days. It, New Jersey seems to have been a hub of early aviation too, yes. in a way that's not recognized, I think, today. Because I was looking, I was again looking at the history. A lot of these derbies started in Atlantic City, ended in Tom's River. You know, um, and you had mentioned how many airports were around Asbury Park. You know, in the in the in the late fifties and sixties. So, you know, I, you know, I can think of one maybe. The Alaire, but I have a hard time remember, you know, figuring out. Let me the other tell ones you that uh, I never landed Alaire as much as I don't know whether you know. You know Route sixty six at the Asbury Park Airport. I was very good at landing there, uh, many many times till I was flying the big airplane with the multi engine because that was only a grass strip and it was a little mm -hmm. short. But there was also off of Shrewsbury Avenue, there was the Red Bank strip. <laughs> I didn't. There were a lot of little airplanes here in Monmouth County at one time. There were and the Alair, and in fact, Alair. I dedicated, you know, different airplanes. But the Tom's River airplane. I don't know whether airport. I don't know whether you know. It's called the Robert Miller Airpark. Mm. It's in Tom's in the actually Lacey, I guess, area. In fact, I have something going in here. <laughs> uh, if we were going to call it. Uh, the Tom's River Airport. These are places, this is in 1970, we named it Robert Miller Airport because unfortunately, Robert Miller was coming back from a flight, which I used to give my night flights for dignitaries to any other pilots in the area. And he was very instrumental. I think he was a, like a freeholder or what. And he, unfortunately, I think a deer came across and he was flying this airplane and he did get killed. And that made our decision to name that airport the Robert Miller Airpark. And I gave I dedicated that airport by giving uh, the a salute, which we, was the eulogy, to him in 1970. That's my right there tells mm -hmm. you. And in and so we use that airport a lot for penny of pounds. When we say penny of pounds, we put you on it, you know, to fly. We had treasure hunts all through New Jersey, but. Uh, and, and, you know, bringing me back to Asbury Park was also we hold a, held a lot of meetings. We even used the Berkeley uh, because we tried to recruit the women from New Jersey. Well, there was the 99s only met in Philadelphia or New York areas, the Pennsylvania or New York areas. So myself, I was only at that time a student pilot learning and Gaymar, who is a name, who was a helicopter pilot who made records by flying coast to coast in a helicopter in this in the early in the 60s. And we went around and recruited and asked any women's names and anybody who was flying who would like to come to a meeting. And our first meeting here in New Jersey uh, was not in Asbury. It was at this uh at the Flying W, <laughs> if I remember. And these women came and they all were happy because they didn't want to travel to be part of Pennsylvania or be part of New York. They didn't mind being part of it, but they wanted their own chapter in a way. So that's how we formed. And uh, I was chairman, uh, Gabe was the first chairman and she unfortunately didn't be able to do all her time. 
she got better. She got ill and and came back nice and rallied back. So I was chairman for two years at the beginning of a chapter here in New Jersey. And now we have many chapters here in New Jersey of women that fly. And, and Judy, uh, can I ask a question? How, what, like, what was the pitch back then? Were, were you getting women who were are coming to these meetings who were already interested in flying? Or did you have to kind of pitch to them you know, here's what, you know, he, here's all the amazing things about being a pilot and flying. Like you, you get them in the room and then what are you saying to them to get them interested? Well, base, basically, we they were women who were interested or had a husband that was flying. A lot of women could not stop the husband from flying, but they were just as like you are, where you are apprehensive. Do I want to be up in an airplane? Do I trust it? Is it going to, am I going to be able to come home to my family and make dinner? You know, these are all the things that the women had to think of in the, in, in my day. Uh, and so we recruited, I guess, the more of the women that had a little bit of desire or a little trying to get more information about it. But basically we went to airport to airport. We didn't go, you know, just uh, to a women's to, to a woman's meeting at that time. Later on, we were guest speakers at a lot of different meetings, but we were also trying to raise money. And, but at the time, uh, I would say that the education that I did were mainly to high school to to young people for careers. These women that were flying that we met. A lot of them had already had a few hours or wanted or already were pilots when we started in 1962, the uh, the first chapter here in New Jersey, which was called the Garden State Chapter. And anything else that I can tell you is that it, it flying was a, a wonderful part of your life if you, because you you got a day where the sun like today even you have the clouds are not there and you feel like let me just take a little ride you would go and get up in your airplane take a i went if i had a meeting or i had to go to work or whatever i could get up and take a ride at seven o'clock in the morning and come back and anybody i saw afterwards would say i bet judy you've been flying because you're dancing around here there was a, a wonderful feeling in that time of, of going up, but you had to love it. You had to learn about it. And you and your fears had to be that where you're going and how you're going to get there and uh, the knowledge that you had. You're not going to get yourself into a storm. That's your, you're doing it wrong. Uh, we have a lot of histories, and I won't mention names, on pilots that I would like to wring their necks if I found them that had no reason or right to be in in a in a weather that they can't see. VFR is what to let you know the races and anything. The women that we flew were all VFR, which is known to be visual flying. It wasn't the instruments. It wasn't flying uh, at a time that was dangerous. Uh, we did all these things to promote the women and promote aviation, but we also enjoyed every second we did it. A uh, lot of Judy, little. I'm sorry. I had a question about you mentioned, uh, you know, VFR rules. Um, so uh, the Angel Derby from Managua, Nicaragua, all the way up through Mexico, across Texas, Louisiana, Alabama to, uh, and into Panama City, Florida. Uh, now, I have that as the Women's International Air Race, but you're calling it something different. Which one was the Women's International Air Race, Judy? That's the age. International is the air race. Trans okay. uh, the powder puff derby was it was state was was from uh, east to west or west to okay. you know what I mean. You're flying, mm -hmm. but the international cute that race, the one that you're talking, mm -hmm. going through Central America. Uh, yeah, where, how did you navigate? You know, are you following well, you road have maps? maps. They had yeah. maps, and yeah. believe me, a lot of them did not match up. So we landed. <laughs> we needed gas. Uh, this is going going to the race. I was the pilot. The, mm -hmm. I I did and gas. I'm going in the race. I navigated. She was the 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 left seat. We mm -hmm. we decided on that. So flying there, I have to tell you, this is really something that little insert an incident that I have. I do remember we 
knew that we had to land in different areas. So we took uh, we knew when we had to get gas because of the deserty the the ground was dry in that area. We landed at an airport in Istapec, I think it was, and it was more or less like a military airport, but we were allowed, that was on our chart, that we could do that. The visual again, and we, as they were getting gas, we put the chamois, this little, so that the, the, the sand would not get in our gas tank, we wanted to make sure that we had it was strained right. So I went with my camera, click, click, and took pictures. The next thing I get is this guy with the guns across his chest taking me like no, no, and took us up to the control tower where we sat with these with these guards. I, there were three of them. Nice looking, but you they weren't the kind that you wanted to have any <laughs> any extra contact with. At that time, I have to admit, I did have cigarettes. I wasn't a big smoker, but I had cigarettes. So I gave them the cigarettes and we tried to explain in English uh, how that we were contestants and we needed gas and we were only here for gas. They were very nice. They took the film out of my camera and threw it away. <laughs> but it was an experiment, you know, that that was not on our route. That was a place we could land. But during the, I think what uh, the unknown knowledge is that the, the races were controlled. They had timers. You had certain areas you went over where you had to check, be clocked in. Uh, you flew past a timer in a tower. The route was always all nicely laid out for you and how and it and again, to the knowledge of not the first one that got there is not the winner. It's by your par speed. Every airplane has a par speed. I, I don't want to get too technical, but you have to do the plus of the par speed. Mm -hmm. So. I'll give you another little nugget. I'm trying not to tell you all my secrets, but this <laughs> we we decided that to get there faster, we took all the vents and we taped them at that the outside vents. So we were very warm in the cockpit. Uh -huh. And these special dresses that we had made, <clears throat> you unzipped them, you quickly took them off, and we flew in our bra and panties. <laughs> And we hope that we didn't have any emergency landings. It wouldn't have been nice. And we also wore boots when we got out. When we got out of that airplane, we had our boots on, our beautiful dresses, our matching little hats. You would never known that we flew that way. But we got better. But we got more airspeed out of the airplane and we were much more comfortable. But that's what we had to do to get. And we had these dresses specially made so we could just put them on and take them off. <laughs> that I guess was a little bit of an experiment <laughs> for us, but we knew we could do it. Uh, so there was so much camaraderie, as I said. And in fact, that year, when we when I raced that year, the woman that won the race, her name was Judy Wagner, Judy, and she was wearing one of my butterflies. Oh, that's amazing. And I, and I guess you want to know why butterflies? I want to tell you that when I soloed my first airplane, the little tri-pacer, they, they do to the male pilots, they take their, their shirts the, and they cut their, they take a little piece off their shirt and they cut, they, they put their name and they cut their, the shirt. With me, when I soloed, I was wearing my unit, I was working at the hospital and I, they took part of my slip. That was my first solo. But when I soloed the, the Bonanza, which was a V-tail uh, airplane, looked almost like a butterfly. But I didn't think of that that day. When I got dressed, I put a little butterfly on my shirt, a clip that belonged in my hair, but I clipped it to my T-shirt. And that place, after I landed, they had a swimming pool at the Flying W, and they dunked me into that pool. Hmm. And guess what? All wet, that butterfly stayed on my and it wasn't, remember, it wasn't a pin. It was a little clip. So from that day on, I decided, you know what? Maybe that was my extra wings that day. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got to be my butterflies. Kind of silly story, that's, but it was good. It's a great story. I, so yeah, it, why became, not? <laughs> it became a logo. You will not get a, anything from me, a card or that doesn't have a butterfly. Your scarf I, is I have butterflies, it on my right? mask. I yeah. have it on my ring. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, and you bring up mass, Judy. So I just want to, I want to cover one little area about what brought you a little bit to, um, so I'll tell you the way I had heard about you was I do this event. There's a group of us that do this event, the women's convention prior, right before the pandemic was going to hit, you were going to speak at that, you know, we were going to do something at, at, um, at at flux and you were going to speak at that. And that was when I started to kind of do some research and we were like, oh my God, this woman is certainly associated with Esbury Park in Long Branch and she's going to talk. And we were really excited. Obviously we had to, we, we stopped the event because of, because of COVID, but can you just tell us how, how you got to Cookman Ave and how you got to Asbury mo- more recently? Well, let, let me just say that my I've had two lives in my own personal life. My first life, of course, was the doc, married to the doctor. And in my years later, I met a nice gentleman, 20 years my senior, but he he liked antiques and what. And uh, but I and, and things. But I brought him back to Asbury in a way different because I decided that he should, that we should come back and maintain all the friends that I kept here in Monmouth County. So we came back to this area to really just enjoy, go antique shopping and have a little leisure life, but that didn't happen. He opened up high spot antiques in West End. And so that brought me to, uh, to, to this area. And at the same time, the antique emporium opened up and we had a little booth in there. So we became connected to Asbury Park that way. So we had high spot in West End and we had this little booth in the antique center here in Asbury. And after he passed on and whatnot, I still decided that I just like being busy. So I were, I came here to keep promoting my not my flying now I was promoting antiques as I became one myself I felt that that's how I came here and uh and what year was that Judy that was I guess the 80s 70s 80s you know like when whenever you so you've been in Asbury through the best and the worst of it I was just going to say, and also we're talking about the COVID and how things happen and working here. If you recall last year, about this time or a little before when everything was closed down and we couldn't go out, we kind of maintained, we started with uh, quarantining ourselves more and being in and everything was closed down. I came down with COVID, but not, I came down with the virus, not really knowing it exactly. I think it all happened uh, during that time. And um, unfortunately I had to be admitted to the hospital. And they also told me that I would not be alive right now, but you see, I'm here. They called my family and told them to make arrangements that uh, I was old, I was very ill, and I was dying. My hemoglobin was like a low four, and now it's 14. You know, I was really in a bad shape. But somehow I'm here, and with the oxygen and steroids and all the wonderful treatments at Monmouth, uh, they were just wonderful at Monmouth Medical Center, and here I am. But I tell you this for a reason. Anybody that's thinking whether they should not wear the mask that day if they're indoors at what it is now or whether they're thinking about not getting the vaccination, some people don't get as sick as others. Some people might get a running nose. Some people might just get chills and some people die. But some people get as sick as I was. I'm just one of those lucky ones. I guess I'm still flying around and haven't landed yet. <laughs> so, and, and it's kind of ironic. You're, he, if if my memory serves, your your husband did his residency at Monmouth Medical. And well, that's how went, I got here. Yeah, he, no, that's how I first. I don't mean to say this, but in my day, I was a I lived in Philadelphia, uh, and I was from Philly, and he was also from that area. And uh, when we said the after he graduated medical school at Hahnemann in Philadelphia, we. His father had a summer house also in this area in Elberon Village. 
also a doctor, we heard that he was going to be I, that he was going to take his internship at Monmouth right n- next to a town called Asbury Park. I said, isn't that a foreign country? I mean, <laughs> Asbury Park, because we Philadelphians went to Atlantic City in those days and we get, went south. And uh, that's how I got here. And then the three years in residency in New York, we covered, I say we, because I went with him in many of these trips for all the doctors. I can name one right here in Asbury Park. Dr. Vercaro was one of the doctors we covered for. I can name all of them. We were the the little car, the little red valiant that used to park outside the gates of Ocean Grove till they opened it up because somebody needed a doctor. Uh, in those days, I don't know if you remember, they actually locked the gates to before you could at and didn't open them till a certain time to get in on the weekends. So we uh, we enjoyed our lives here, and in fact, we had our friends and maintained a, a full life in this area for many years. And it sounds like Judy. So you've, you know, I didn't come to Asbury till about two. I've been here about twenty years or so. But so you've seen it through the eighties, through the nineties, through the two thousands, and now where it seemed to kind of go up and down and up and down. And you've seen it all from the view, essentially, of Cookman Ave. Is that is that fair? From what? I'm sorry. From Cookman Ave. You've kind of seen the ups and downs. I have seen Cookman Avenue just as, you know, when right now, if you know, I work at Flux Modern, which is the 60s. Talk about the 60s, which I was there flying around. And now I'm here selling these wonderful pieces. That was Woolworths 5 and 10. And to this day on Cookman Avenue, if you look under the window, it's in the cement. It's there. It's there for history. Next door was Newberry's Five and Dime. And these were areas down the street was uh, was Steinbach's, Steinbach, uh, the uh, fancy uh, um, uh, department store. When we came to Asbury Park those days, we got dressed. We put our gloves on, as they said. We were dressed up to come shopping on Cookman Avenue. It was a whole... I, lots of different wonderful stores, but this is where we met. We would meet with the children if we wanted to do a beach day. We did a beach day. Uh, it had a whole different life. I can say a little bit honky tonk also because you had the Ferris wheel, the, you had the merry-go-round, you had the fun house, and you had Tilly. And uh, so this was all part of Asbury. And that slowly I was away and my husband did not practice here. We practiced in Burlington County. And it seems when I left also Asbury Park started to go down (laughs) and you wouldn't walk those same streets that you that we enjoyed every day. But you just wouldn't walk those streets on those days after that. So We've come a long way. And I think, Amy, I'm going to say it. You should be very proud of what Asbury has turned into because uh, I encourage people to come. And I think an awful lot of people are now coming from the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the just for a day's ride. It's a nice. We get a lot of people in here that are in, not only from New Jersey, but from all around enjoying the, a day just to eat in good restaurants, listening to good music. I'm fortunate to know Bruce Springsteen was a customer in my husband's store in West End, who was with the Antiques. That's how I got into knowing about uh, Flux Modern and the Antique Emporium and all that. And uh, so it's it became talking about Asbury. I I promoted. I wish I was a little younger. I think I'd be the first one to live here. Uh, And uh, but I'm not I'm downscaling a lot. I'm glad to be I'm glad to be here in the capacity that I am in. But what a great life to live here. You don't even need to park your car, which is hard to do anyway. Uh, You uh, you can enjoy life nicely. So if uh, I can promote a little not only women flying and women where they've come to the status of women now going flying right walking right out into space, I can also promote Asbury Park because I think it's great. Judy, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Are, are women better pilots than men? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think we're I, I think we don't take the chances as we're more uh, 
conservative in a way. And I only say that from my own experience, the good old doctor that thank God he gave me the airplane and, mm. and I was able to fly, but there were times and I don't, didn't tell you, but I also worked with the FAA and I could have told mm. him, listen, bud, I'll report <laughs> you because he would bootleg. We called it through clouds when he shouldn't, when he should be visual and looking down. Oh, he'll get right past it. Um, you know what? I guess it builds up our ego a little bit too. But well, uh, I asked the question because I did some research to see if the, if if anyone had asked that, and the answer is similar to what you said that men take more risks, and that's when they get into trouble. Um, and that so there's there's some varying stats on that, but I thought that was the you know one of the interesting things that emerged that women are more cautious flyers, and you know at least one study said overall have less accidents because of that. You know. Oh, yeah. We I think I think most of the accidents in the early days were the airplanes. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In the early days, they flew airplanes that were like pieces of tin, I would call them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, so you might have heard more in those early days. But as the aviation and women became flying became safer again for those reasons we are more cautious and we we watch where uh the flight plans and uh we take we take those precautions uh our checklist again a little cute little nugget that i can throw away about women i at one time you know uh, now i do my own hair but i went to the hairdresser and these women were so impressed this was in the time in the 60s or 70s when i was flying a lot and they were so impressed that i was uh, that they talked to the hairdresser and said do you think she'll take us up flying so i took them up on a nice saturday afternoon i flew over their house i flew around willie penn in in philadelphia and they next time I was in the hairdresser, I said, how did those women like it? He said, they would never fly with you again. I said, why? <laughs> he said, you had to take out a piece of paper and read instructions. That was the checklist. But mm-hmm. I didn't you know, they I guess I didn't explain it to them enough mm-hmm. to say I wouldn't fly any day without checking over my engines and and looking under the fuselage and doing all the things that I was doing. So maybe we are more precautious where a lot of the men would just get in the airplane. Well, that's what the data said. The data, the men skip the pre-flight checklist sometimes then run into mechanical problems. That's what I was trying to bring up. Mm -hmm. I I didn't read, and you see, I didn't even read that article, (laughs) but I do know. I I hope I, I'm trying to uh, think of some of the things that that were done and, and, uh, you know, I've been fortunate. I was so, you know, just just did a lot of wonderful things and was able to promote, mostly promote the aviation world. Not so much only the women, but just to show people that there were jobs and, and opportunities in that time. Remember, after the war, there were more pilots. Uh, because, And do you know that a lot of the women actually instructed pilots that flew during the war because there weren't as many at the beginning? And we, so we've been around and we're staying around. If you can see what's happening, I'm so proud of those women that, that uh, walk, that are doing what they're doing today in, in the space world. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're and, there. And Judy, you're also, um, I mean, you talk about having another life. You, you went on to open restaurants, have successful catering. Um, you want to just touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I do whatever comes along. You see, I read, I'm a reader. So if you tell me to be a caterer, I'll read up on recipes. If you tell me to open a restaurant, it all happened in my second life. I had, as I told you, I had two, two husbands and in the, in the, world of the doctor's world, I was more in the flying world myself. In my second life, my uh, I got more involved in uh, other things. And I, uh, I, the gentleman I married, my second husband also was in the restaurant, owned restaurants. So one day my, my son and I opened a restaurant in, in uh, Paoli, New Jersey, in Paoli, Pennsylvania. And uh, then we we were in the restaurant business and the restaurant business grew to the catering business. So I was in the catering business, uh, whatever 
different areas I worked in. I don't know whether you know, I started out in the, as in college, women, when I went to Temple, there was only like Mitten Hall and a few brownstones. They hadn't built this wonderful college that is there now. Uh, they were just beginning in the 50s. Remember, when I went to college, it was the 50s, not the 60s. Think and of what that. college did you go to, Judy? Temple. Temple University of Philadelphia. Yeah. I got my MRS before my BA. But uh, anyway, uh, it, it, <laughs> the whole, whole things, it was a whole different area of, of doing uh, of, of our lives then. But uh, yes, I so I then went to be with the doctor's life. Besides applying, I did OT, occupational therapy here in Monmouth. I got a dollar an hour at the beginning just to learn how to do OT. And I had we didn't call it physical medicine then. It was just physical therapy. But you take it. I, you give me an assignment and I'll learn it. And don't ask me to cook today. I like just pushing the microwave. But I did. All <laughs> we that. all do. Right. That's the best. Yeah, I, I did a lot because I think I like people. I mean, I was president of the the women here of the doctor's wives in in this area uh, in Berlin, you know, in different areas. And I would, uh, you know, get to come back here to meetings. And uh, if there was a luncheon, I would land at that Asbury Strip and and somebody I would make arrangements for someone to pick me up. I'd go to lunch with the women, get back in my airplane. And uh, so life was was very I had a very interesting, very interesting life. And where I'm was still the going you, and I'm still going. You are still going. And where was the Asbury Strip? I'm trying to like visualize. Think of 66. 66. Okay. Six. I always say think of the Asbury Park uh, building, the press building. There's a strip. Oh, there was a strip okay. right Got there. Yep. And on Shrewsbury Avenue in Red Bank, there was a, a the strip in Asbury was grass. Mm -hmm. The strip in and along and Red Bank was uh, was cement was a regular uh, runway. But the runways in, in which you landed on 60, 66, if you think of it, uh, I think there's I, there's homes there. I, I don't know what's there right now. I have to look. Okay, so I want to give a shout out to to um, uh, Flux Modern, who um, great great uh, store on Cookman Ave. I also have to say they um, were so wonderful when you did have COVID and keeping the rest of Asbury Park and surrounding areas updated on how you were doing, telling us where to send all our good thoughts. And I also want to thank Motion City Media which is really Frank, who has been well, on the is, show. Frank is a doll. He's he the best. He is a doll. He you is know, the best. I'm he so is glad. the best. <laughs> you talk I about. I so rarely, so sometimes, and yesterday's a perfect example. Like I'm walking down Cookman and some bros, some guys are like blocking the crosswalk. And and, and I want to say to them, how did you hear about Asbury? Because I want to make sure people like you don't keep coming. <laughs> and then I meet somebody like Frank. I mean this sincerely. And I'm like, how did you hear about Asbury? Because however you heard about it, I want to make sure people like you keep coming. Because I I, I think he does he, he elevates Asbury Park in, in, in so many ways, just a oh, huge yes. fan. And for those of you who don't know, Frank is also the guy who, who lifted all of our spirits in the mixed, you know, in the midst of this pandemic when everybody was feeling awful and he was playing music at Monroe Towers and drawing socially distant crowds um, and, and truly making what was a horribly depressing time slightly less horribly depressing. So I do want to give a shout out to Frank. Well, I'm going to tell you that I'm the fortunate one now, because first of all, I call the kids, that's the kids, Drew and Danielle, who own Flox Modern, who do a fantastic job. They work very hard. They, I I want to tell you their furniture is of quality, what they bring in. And then again, the 60s. And I'm very proud to work for them with them. Actually, I'm just a good helper and I enjoy doing it. But mainly the people here in Asbury, even here at the antique and, you know, right here at this place, right where we sell. I wouldn't say antiques. We sell here at the at the the. Uh, area here at the arcade. I had to think for a minute in my mind. Is going. Uh, the uh, 
which I wish they would have changed that name between you and I, because they think there's an arcade here has more activity. But what it has is great people. And then you meet somebody, as you say, like Frank, who all you have to do is ask and it's done of you, you know, and that's what it's all about. I also find that the people coming to Asbury, I'm going to give a plug here, are people that are just at all at all at how great it is. So many first timers, so many coming into this town for the first time and seeing all the opportunities of doing not only the good food, but the music and the art and the, uh, of course, places like Fox Modern where they can furnish their home. We get it delivered to them. It's, you know, these are the things they're seeing, but mainly the beauty of the town that's just still starting to grow again. Uh, The beaches, the boardwalk, it's it's here for them and they're finding it. It's amazing. I think I pull people, everybody who walks in and the line gets tired after a while. Are you from this area? Is this the first time you're here? And these are the things that I'm always saying. And I get a lot of feedback from that. Amy, I think uh, Judy should be uh, the face of Asbury Parks Media now. You know, you have a whole media campaign. Are you from Asbury? Is this your first time? Well, welcome. Listen, I live in Monmouth Beach. (laughs) (laughs) We won't tell anybody. No, you have to get in a car to go any to go everywhere. You know, I do promote it. I'm serious. It's it's getting there. It's it's slow, but it's getting there. You you have to remember. And Amy tried to say it and I'm saying it again. uh, Repeat it. It has a lot of transitions that it's gone through now with Mm -hmm. the things that happened. And I just am fortunate that. My husband, as I said, got to here to intern, but I also got to maintain friendships and keep my life here. Then in my second life, I came to live in the area and now I'm enjoying Asbury. I'm working in the area. So, Judy, we want to thank you so much. And we want to thank uh, Motion City Media for helping us. And of course, always shared universe and go out to shops at the arcade. I agree with you about that name. And another name people get confused. I can't tell you how many people stop me and say, where's the casino? And they think it's they think it's a casino. Right. And we're always like it's it's not a casino. Um, so those are like two names. A, yeah, that definitely yeah. should go off. You know, yeah, I, don't I know left a lot of things. Things out the who's who in and, and things I did because I really feel that you really want to also talk about the Asbury and things like that. But I thank you for thinking that I did something great. I was that small as a pioneer, but I do look at my my past since you brought it up. And I was I mean, I didn't realize all the things I did till I start reading all the things I did. Yeah, no, I get excited about something. Same thing now with Asbury or with Flux Modern. I sell that furniture because I'm excited of how it's turned out after all these years and how it's part of life now. Just as you're talking about the flying, it's a past, but look where it's taken everybody to mm-hmm. space. So I guess this is, uh, this is really fascinating. Thanks for coming out. We could, we could have had three separate shows about three separate phases of your life, you know, for, you know right. pilot, you know, educator, well, actually four or five phases. There's so many, you know, so, you know, thanks so much for uh, joining us this morning on Sunday. Yeah. See what oh, you 100%. get. Did you, you didn't tell my age, did you? We did not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think that shocks people even more. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, do you want to share it? Well, I, I I have this life and I only look at the pluses out of it. I take there's always negatives and I have yeah. a lot more that I could have told you. I, don't know, I didn't tell yeah. you everything uh, that I've done, but uh, I'm 86. Yeah. Wow. But I tell you. Turn me upside down. I'm only 68. (laughs) The truth is, no, that don't put, you know, I'm just saying. But uh, I can't believe that the things that you do. uh, Yes, the flying world was it. But all the things, whether you own a restaurant or you or you're just here selling a a beautiful dining room table or you're promoting schools, you know, we're working with patients in a hospital. I've had a lot of different areas that I've been in and uh, each one brings good memories and you take out anything that's got too much negativity and bring it to the positive to today. 
I think that's it. I think a lot of people don't do that. They live in the past. I'm glad you brought it up, but I'm not living it. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I was so glad to hear from you. I have to say, so I have an arm full of iconic women tattoos. And even though I do have a fear of flying, which I do, and it's probably not a fear of flying. It's probably, as my therapist said years ago, my issues with control. But putting a pin in that, I have an Amelia Earhart tattoo. I, don't I heard that. It, I've been Donald. dying to see it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. Next time I'm on Cookman, I'll stop in and show you. But I, I did. I, I did pay homage to Amelia Earhart. I recognized also both, um, you know, her importance in history, but I'm going to end this because we're four minutes late. Judy, thank you. We will send this to Frank to get to you once we I have hope edited I it up. Did I say everything you wanted to hear? Was it absolutely. all right? You're oh, this amazing. is fantastic. Yeah, you we could keep going. I left a lot out. I've done in things well, that I had. We may have you back to go through the rest. <laughs> no. Yeah, we should do part two. <laughs> I, anytime so, I can do anything so. to that, you know, to help. I'm I'm very shy. It's hard for me to talk. <laughs> you were great. And also I have uh Joe and I have your stuff. We'll get it back to Frank in a couple days. And it takes about a week to edit this and get this up. So you'll hear from us in about a week when it's all done. Also, you know my my I think my daughter knows you. She's a, she's Susan Toscano. She's the uh, uh municipal chair in and Manalapan. Oh, wow. I'm sure I know her. She's Fabulous. She's written 14, well, 15 books. She was a writer at one time. And oh, wow. So I said to her what I'm doing this. She said, oh, she said, you're going to enjoy. She's, this is how she put it. You're going to enjoy Amy. Oh, but she didn't tell me about the gentleman there that I would enjoy talking to also. Yeah, I, I, I keep quiet until the show starts. OK, I didn't know that, but I, I had to tell you. So even, my, you know, my I'm very proud of my family and uh, what they do. So it's not just me there. But I did want to bring that up that mentioned that. And this was fun. Great job. Uh, Great I didn't, job. I, I found uh, something I didn't I didn't bring it looking at that, that when President Ford invited me to the home, home Harmon trophies, I wrote about my past, you know, my life. You had to give a whole resume of what you've done, your education uh, to go to the Washington for this. And uh, I found it the other day and I was reading it. And I'm thinking, did I really do all that? Pretty, impre pretty impressed with myself. <laughs> yeah, you know, all of a sudden. You <laughs> as you should be, Judy. As you no, should be. No, no. This is really fantastic. Here, if you need a nice table or you need, to, <laughs> yeah, you know. All right. Thank you, Judy. Please tell Thanks, Frank Judy, so we much. said I thank you. I hope I did all right. And if oh, not, you just, did cut amazing, me, just cut me out. Just cut we me out. We are not cutting you out. You're going to no, be our highest a... listened to podcast. Oh, look no at this. Absolutely. I lost I lost my. I, okay. Bye, I'm, Judy. I'm, Thank you, you showed so your, much. Uh, you showed your uh, Amelia Earhart. That's the to know the ninety nine pin is on. Oh, there oh, you nice. go. Do I take right. this off now? Yeah, yeah. you can take that. Am right I now. done? Am We're I done. done. Thanks, Thanks so much, Judy. Thank you so much. It really brought a lot of. I'm very emotional that I was <laughs> able to do that, and I didn't disappoint anybody and die last year this time i'm still alive oh we're all glad you didn't die either Judy. <laughs> so thank Goodness you gracious. okay all right okay. don't have a little sense of humor you won't make it through this life special thanks this week to frank sarinsky of motion city media here in asbury park frank set up judy's audio frank's a former guest of the show and we're glad to have him back and if you want to meet judy she's holding it down at flux modern uh, right on cookman avenue in the shops at asbury she'd love to talk to you and perhaps even sell you some mid-century furniture. Thanks.